What the? Mike, did you pick this? What? Hey, welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Terrian. And I'm Scott Lieb. We're two friends who are following Jesus into the joys and challenges of everyday life. Boom. We are here again. Happy early Christmas to you. Merry yeah. early Christmas. Merry Christmas, yeah. Yeah. And continued Advent blessings until I the know. last candle uh, always burns. The, always the best. <laughs> you, I you, know. I used to have Christmas parties for youth ministry, and they, you know, they were before Christmas because nobody would come after Christmas. And they, I would always get flack for it from the, you know, from the Catholics because they'd be like, it's, have, st- it's still Advent. Have you, have okay. you put your tree up yet? Of course I have. Oh, okay. I know. I'm sorry. In fact, this year was probably earlier <laughs> than most years. All right. But uh, I, I get excited. That anticipation in me is, okay. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm just giving you a hard time. So that's, let's go. That's Wait. fine. So it's your turn. It, is it really? It is, because we did, you know, oh my gosh. American Express. Well, that's, re- oh, yeah. Which okay. has not been resolved, by the way. That's really funny. Well, all right. We'll jump in. Um, I'm really intrigued, of course, always intrigued by uh, this weird um, hmm, division. I, I guess division is a good word in the church. Like, as soon as the Pope puts out something, people, uh, immediately the different talking heads the you know the these conservative people on this side these liberal people on this side just start vying for everybody's attention and everybody's hearts and the pope recently put out something in, in with a big long latin word or i don't even know what it is and i don't fiducia, care to be honest fiducia <laughs> supplicant on for the some people meaning of blessing for some people that's super important the latin part i'll take the english but it is it's about blessings and and the Pope is is addressing, from my understanding, uh, there were a couple cardinals, handful of them, maybe two. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But they were they were very concerned about earlier things that he said or that he wrote that they thought were unclear, and um, especially in the realm of how to how to kind of engage and. Uh, uh, same-sex couples and couples in uh, what's the word? Extraordinary, extraordinary situations, irregular situations. Okay, so that would be like you know, yeah, people in an invalid marriage or a couple living together. Yeah, that kind of thing. Right, right, right. So, so he says he writes this thing in in response to that. It comes out, and everybody's all fired up. Everybody's all fired up. Oh, this guy, he's the worst pope ever. And some people are like, I, you know, I, I, th- I believe there's truth in what he's saying. And uh, or the or or they'll say, oh, look what he's done. He's blanketed, you know, like okay with everything that everybody does. Well, that you would, know? I would say that that's that's been the message that's been mostly circulating through oh, the media course. headlines. Is yeah. that the Pope is says it's okay to bless gay marriages like that? Right. That's been the headline. Right. So and, I read it. Yeah. At your suggestion. My gosh, I can't believe it. Scott. I occasionally can do extraordinary things. <laughs> That's so sad. But no, I did read it. I fell asleep the first night about two paragraphs in because I was really tired. <laughs> and last night I was up doing some work and it was 2 a.m. and and make cooking something. Who who cooks things at 2 a.m.? But I'm cooking something. You do. And, and I did. Yeah. And I read it and I was like, Oh, okay. You know, like me reading it for myself and not relying on somebody else to interpret it uh, was incredibly helpful. I was expecting to read it and to be like, oh, that's wow. That's super controversial. Or my goodness, he's really, really pushing the line of, of like, you know, church teaching. And, but I, it's just so funny. I, I, it is really mind-boggling to me where the controversy is. Well, I, you know, I mean, honestly, I think, and this is, this is something that um, I think is is important to say, you know, because there's this, the, the narrative that we hear from certain places within the church is that the Pope is always creating confusion, 
And I've heard a number of people say to me this week, and, and I share this concern. I mean, I that's the first thing that went through my head. What am I going to say to my kids? Because <laughs> they're going to read right. all this. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. I know I'm going to get that little text from Joe or whoever. It's like, well, what do you think of this, Dad? Yeah. And then I'm I'm in the position, and of course, you know, I'm a trained theologian, and it's still challenging. You know what? How do I explain this? Mm-hmm. You know, because it 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 it, you know, it 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 is. There's a it creates a lot of confusion. But the thing that I I want to say to that and say to other folks out there is that you know, is it the Pope that's creating confusion, or is it certain voices commenting on the Pope that are causing confusion? Mm. Because they're constantly calling into question what he's doing and. Is it also the media that's causing confusion? Because they're, whether they're doing it on purpose or not, they're totally misrepresenting what... And, and this, again, I've seen this so many times over the last 30 years. It happens more often than people realize. It, you know, the media just totally twists and distorts sure. what's being said. And uh, and it always seems like, you know, the Vatican is scrambling, you know. And I've even heard people say, it's like, why should we have to always be clarifying what the Pope is saying? You know, and it's like, well, you know, the reality is, is that the Church is going to do what the Church needs to do. Mm. And she can't control the culture of the media at all. Sure, she can right. do her best to put it... put. Be as transparent as possible and put the words out there that need to be put out there. But we shouldn't expect that the media or the world out there is going to understand all the subtleties and the nuances. But as Catholics, it's like our responsibility is to not see our favorite news outlets or even our favorite Catholic commentators as magisterium Hmm. or as the, the primary catechist of our lives. We need to do the best we can right to trust the holy spirit to trust jesus that the church is hmm. indefectible yeah you know and that and that we need to go to the source and we need to really understand what the church herself is saying and and then we do the best we can to sit down with our kids or point our kids to a resource i mean part of the reason honestly why i wanted to do this podcast is because i'm just hoping people on our network We'll have something to listen to that will, will will give them some clarity and maybe a different way of approaching this and thinking about it, you know. But there's there's good solid sources out there, and the ones that are constantly criticizing the church or constantly badgering the church to change your teaching, those are two different mm. voices. We shouldn't listen to them, yeah, because that's not of God, right? You know, neither of those options are of God. So if if you're listening to a channel where the whole premise of the channel is to f- see where the Pope is tripping up and screwing up, um, I won't name names. <laughs> I, I wouldn't listen to them. I, sure. I tell people all the time, stop listening to that person or those people, because that's not of God. They are not the grand inquisitors. They yeah. have not been appointed by the Lord to do that, yeah. and it's not their job. And they're getting paid to do that on top of it, which really bothers me. But likewise... Don't be listening to voices for people that are constantly clamoring for the church to adopt herself to the to the spirit of our age. Sure. Like th- those are not that's not of God either. So we have to find those resources out there of people that are always leading us deeper into the heart of the church, not mm. in this kind of reactionary or revolutionary type way. Yeah. But you know, and you'll know because it'll it'll just feel it'll resonate in our hearts like Yeah. This is not only true, but it's done with great love and great devotion and great affection yeah. for the church and uh, as the body of Christ. So It's really good. I even wrote on my paper here, why is it important that we're talking about this? And I wrote, you have to talk to your friends and your, you know, because this is going to come up with people who care about, who care about what the church is putting out there to the world. And, and it is very confusing. And... You know, I mean, like, this is a whole other thing, but a lot of this always comes back to the reason why people want to listen to those voices that are either, you know, promoting a fear, like, we're afraid that the church is going off the rails, or whether they're listening to the voices that are like, oh, the church is finally changing and and adapting to the cultural, you know, uh, norm. Yeah, to the times. And I'm like, 
those people, um, probably uh, there's something in them that needs to be addressed. Like they're listening to that for a reason, you know, like to be validated, to be validated. And there's a reason why that, that thing exists in the first place. And, um, you know, and that's a hard word. I mean, I'll yeah. acknowledge it. I mean, look, I've been guilty of, of doing that Same many here. times. Sure. You know, like there's times I don't want to hear something because I want it to be one way. Right. And then I right. listen to it and I'm like, oh, dude. Yeah. I got to, I got to be open to that, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and, and be surprised, you know, that you, you mentioned being curious. And I think that we have to be sufficiently curious and be open to really listening because we can learn. We can learn amazing things in, in unusual places. Yeah. So let me recap. Pope, good. Media, bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, in this situation. In this situation, yeah. that's been, yeah. yeah. I just, I, it's not that the media is bad. It's just that we shouldn't expect the media to do anything other than what it does, which is, it's, it, it's soundbitey. And it's a money-making organization. Like a lot of it yeah. is just around, right? Making making money and and getting people to follow them and be in you know be influenced by them. And right. So we just like you know yeah. it's not that we can't you know obviously if you hear a headline that the Pope is blessing uh, gay couples, <laughs> see my instinct is, oh okay, what's that document? I'm gonna go look at it. Right. I'm yeah. not gonna look listen to all the commentary. Yeah, and I would say people get out there and read what this pope is uh, is is saying Excuse because me. he's very easy to read. There, <laughs> the next pope might not be as understandable. Yeah, so. no, it's true. He has a very common way yeah. of speaking. Can I add a, a little caveat to that? Sure. That uh, I think that it also requires people to read it with an an open curiosity, I think, is what I would how I would describe it. In other words, if you go in wanting to read it a certain way, like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna catch him because he's going to say that the church is endorsing same sex marriages, right? You're gonna read it that way. Or if you go in and your thing is, oh, I know that the I know that the Pope is gonna endorse same-sex marriages you're going to read it that way like versus just reading it with a curiosity like what is he really saying yeah like, well and i would say even more importantly if you believe in what we say we believe about the authority of the magisterium then what is god trying to say to us in this mm. document <gasps> oh, that's even better. Yeah, d maybe the Holy Spirit is trying to teach the church something that we need to know, and I and I'm 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 thankful that you made that point because I think sometimes we aren't open. We come in with our own bias, and uh, we we read into the document what is not there, or we try to extract something from the document sure. that's not there, because we want it to fit into our biases or our our narratives. And the other thing that I would say too, though, is that you know. Some of these issues are complicated, and there's a lot of distinctions and a lot of nuances that really have to be understood and appreciated because they have real consequences in the world. And we can maybe get into yeah. some of that, you know, more specifically. But I think the, the one thing I try to say to people all the time is, and, and this is very much the product of my own education. Um, I'm always thankful for my education at the International Theological Institute because because everything we did was from the primary sources, like everything. We, we never read any secondary sources. Like mm, when we awesome. were learning about Kant, we read Kant. When we were learning about Aquinas, we read Aquinas. When we were trying to understand Catholic social teaching, we read the encyclicals. It was, we always took it from the primary source, and then we, we learned to read things very carefully, uh, very slowly, very discerningly, and with a prayerful and open heart. And, yeah. and I'm grateful for that because it taught me how to read a theological text, mm. and particularly a magisterial text. And so my experience with Pope Francis is that I can't tell you how many times people pull his words out of context and, and make it say something it doesn't. The media is notorious for this because they want a headline. You know, it's clickbait, really, sure. if anything else. But but they, um, you know, the, the subtlety and the 
depth of what's being said is utterly lost on people when the news reports on it. And so my message is always don't like don't trust the media more than yeah. the magisterium. Like read what the magisterium is saying. Read what the church is saying and be open to the possibility that God is trying to say something even if it challenges me personally. Do I have enough faith to believe that God is using this, you know, this So so but I mean there yeah. means to 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 teach the yeah. people of God. Like the reality, unfortunately, is that most people um, don't have the wherewithal to go to the primary source. You know, and this is where discernment comes into play. And I, I, there's a lot of people that just aren't able to discern or to sift through. So it, it, it well, is to sift through like if yeah. they're watching Fox News or if they're watching MSNBC or whatever right like, but i i think i mean you're right and a lot of people are busy and don't have the time to sit down sure. and read a document but here's what i would say to that okay if that's the case fair enough but what are you going to trust more are you going to trust the magisterium which is which is which is sort of shored up underwritten Affirmed, yeah, confirmed right, by right. the Holy Spirit, or are you going to listen to a news outlet trying to interpret that document? And that's the thing that I find that that's upsetting to me personally is whether it's left or right, it doesn't make any difference. It's like, you know, because there are just as many people on the left that are that are out there saying that the Pope thinks that gay marriage is okay. Sure, and that's not what it says. Right, it not even remotely <laughs> does it even suggest right. that. Yeah, in fact, it says probably at least four times. <laughs> yeah. Exactly the opposite right, of that. Right. So, you know, so it's disingenuous on the one hand to say, I don't have time to read the source, but I'm going to trust a news outlet before I'm going to trust Holy Mother Church. And that's that. That's what bothers me. I think that we all need to say, okay, um, I, I, I need to challenge myself to do my homework. And if I read something, if I take the time to read it, and I, I struggle to understand it, then try to find, you know, a, yeah. a, a credible and reliable source sure. that's going to um, that's going to give give a positive interpretation of church teaching, um, and not always. Does be, that exist? Well, there it does, but you know, it <laughs> it absolutely does. But I think that sometimes, like, what happens is you have like you have one faction, like the more progressive faction, that's always wanting the church to change your teaching. So if that is the source. That's right. not a reliable source because right. that's not the nature of the church and church teaching. But there's other people on the far right that are always looking for the church, especially this papacy, to screw it up. Oh, yep, you know? for sure. And and to, to be you know to confirm their suspicions that he's a heretic and he's an imposter. And I'll be honest with you, from day one, because he's a Latin American Jesuit, he has never been given, especially by the North American U.S. Church. Especially the conservative side of that church. So let's let's talk let's about it. Let's jump into it. Yeah. Where do you want to start? Oh gosh. It's my topic, but well, I'll let you lead. <laughs> yeah. Um gosh. I you know, I, I there are so many things I, I feel like saying <laughs> that uh, you know, but I let me just I, I think where I wanted to start was just by saying you know, let's you know, if there was a conclusion to the document. What's that? Oh, we're starting at the end first. Yeah. Nice. Um, and and it, my takeaway conclusion, this is very, you know, simple, but is that uh, if, if someone, if, if people that are in an objectively sinful state, and in this case, it, it does, you know, specifically address gay couples and also people in irregular situations, okay, Straight people that maybe are cohabitating or yeah, divorced and, and remarried, and remarried and things like and without that. annulment. Yeah. So, so yeah. clearly the document states that people who are in objectively, you know, sinful situations, mm -hmm. if they, in a spontaneous and sort of free manner, were to approach a member of the clergy in a, in like say a public space, you say you're you're in the grocery store and someone comes up and says, "Father, will you give me a blessing?" Sure. The Pope's answer is yes. 
You give them the blessing. You give them the blessing. Yeah. So and, so, and so so that so I think what I would like to sort of unpack is there's a lot of objections that have been surfacing around that conclusion. Mm. And what is a blessing? When does it, like wh- how does it occur? Under what sort of circumstance is it acceptable? All those things. Because that's really what this was about is just who and when and how can we give people blessings? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's what it was. And yeah. what and what what are we blessing? And what are we blessing? Yeah, right. So so you know, I think that um I mean, obviously, he he distinguishes very clearly between uh, blessings that occur within a formal, ritual, ceremonial, liturgical context. And those would be things like marriage, or there's like a book of blessings yeah. that the Catholic Church has that are formalized blessings that a priest like reads from for different situations, correct? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so... Just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. So the conclusion is is that under no circumstances whatsoever is it ever permissible to give a blessing to a same-sex couple or people in irregular situations within that kind of liturgical... Right. Yeah. I, ritual, I, formal... Yeah. situation. It's, and, it's categorically clear. And my my reading of that was so... Uh, that, it's funny because I read that and I'm like, my gosh, he couldn't make this any clearer. Uh, you know, like, and again, I'm I'm just a dad. Like, I'm a guy living the Catholic faith. I'm not a, I'm not a scholar, like, you know, putting out whatever. Anyway, I'm a normal dude. And I'm reading it, and I'm like, okay. So he's clearly just restating what the church teaches originally. Marriage is what it is. Man, woman, you know, in a covenantal relationship, and there's a way to bless that. Anything that even looks like or smells like that in in a context outside of that man-woman relationship is uh, the church doesn't even have the authority to do that is what he says. Yes. Yeah. And he's, you know, t- to be clear, he's responding there to what the, you know, the the bishops in Germany have been kind of trying to push. You know, they, they, they've been wanting, and he keeps saying, no, we can't do that, because the church's doctrinal teaching about sexual morality, marriage, etc. Natural law. Is not going to change. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so... We should be excited about how consistently he has upheld the church's teaching, even while many people have been anticipating that the hmm. church is going to change that teaching. But yeah. you and I have talked about this before. Uh, the church can't change they that can't. teaching. It's never. I almost read it's it. never. I mean, it can't. Not that it couldn't try, but God won't permit it. It right. just won't happen. Yeah. I so. almost. I almost read a sigh in in whenever he wrote about that. It was almost like. Oh gosh! How many, like how many times do I have to say this? How many times do I have to tell you this? You know, like how many times do I have to make it clear? So anyway, yeah. So so that's yeah. So that's um. And then you know he there, there's a, a few other things that he says that I think are really critical to this. Um. But there's and and this is where maybe there's some expansion and development of the church's understanding of blessings because. And it's really not—I don't think it's trying to address something new as though this has never happened before, but I think it's trying to provide a theological support and framework around it um, to give some assurance to the clergy, because it's it's really pertaining to them, that, well, what do you do if a person— or people in 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 a in a state of life that's contrary to the gospel, contrary to law of God. What do you do if they come up to you in this kind of extemporaneous, spontaneous way and and want your blessing? You know, and and that's that's where I think you know the rub is for certain people. So so paint a paint a hypothetical scenario for me. So uh, you know, a priest is shopping at Aldi, right? Yeah. And uh, in a in a same sex couple. You know, like they come up, they're in line behind them, and one of them says, 
oh, Father, you know, I grew up Catholic. Maybe, well, I don't know. I'm just painting a hypothetical. I grew up Catholic. I haven't been to the church in a while, but I, you know, like I, I feel like that relationship with God is something that I really need to, to like get back into. Like, uh, can you know, I remember when I was younger, you know, like the 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 uh, priest used to bless people and and um, you know, would can I can I get a blessing from you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's that kind of a thing. I mean, I I think people this happens all the time. I mean. Somebody who's like not going to church, they're living in a very, you know, uh, in a way that's very contrary to God's sure. designs and God's plans and purposes. Yeah. But, you know, for whatever reason, they come bounding up to Father and say, Father, Father, will you give us, you know, give us, give me a blessing? Yeah. And the question is, is, is it okay for them to do so? Now, and in, in the, in the, again, we, we said this already, but the Pope says yes. In that circumstances, it's not something that should be formalized. It's not something that should be ritualized. It's something he he says a number of things that I think are really important qualifications. Like you have to be discerning. It's it's a possible moment of a good, mm-hmm. but yeah. you have to be discerning. Well, discerning sure. about what? Well, discerning about whether or not you know. First of all, what is the person asking your blessing for? Right? Are they asking your blessing for? Their sin? Well, you can't give a blessing for that. And he makes that very super clear. clear. But, you know, if a person humbly comes and is and is taking a step, even an imperfect, a very imperfect and incomplete step towards God and reaching out in some way uh, to connect with God through this priest, the, 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 the appropriate and fitting response is for the priest to bless that yeah. and to give a blessing for that. And and one thing that, he, that Pope Francis says that I think is really beautiful and something that I... I think we have to be all very convicted by, and that is, is that people are not reducible to the sum total of their sin. Mm. Um, that that is a sin itself. To look at another person as though the only thing that defines them is what's objectively disordered about them. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, like, we all are sinners in that respect. We're all disordered. We're all dysfunctional, and and not only that, but we are aware of some of our sins, and we are also profoundly blind to some of our sins. For sure. And, and, and that's true for everybody. And so we, in our own awkward and clumsy and naive and unwitting ways, at times feel inspired to reach out towards God, even though we don't even know what we don't know about ourselves yeah. yet. You know, like yeah. that's the journey of any person. And, and when a person is shows a kind of graciousness towards us, right, that that lead, that can lead to a softening of the heart and the opening up to the possibility of a grace of conversion happening. And so I think what the Pope is trying to say is that it's, it's the Church's responsibility to be discerning that when that happens, our response shouldn't be to say, no, sorry, I can't give you my blessing because you don't have your house in order yet, mm-hmm. or you're not fully aware and repentant of your sin yet. You go get everything put together, then you can come for my blessing. Well, the Pope's saying that's a huge problem because yeah. what you know what what kind of message does that send? And and there's some there's some theological aspects to that that I really would like us to dig into because I think that we. We need to go back to the example of Jesus and look at what Jesus did and how he did things because that's really the baseline. Like, that's the rule and measure of how we ought to act towards sin and sinners. So Jesus, I mean, if I could take a stab at that, um, who is the little short dude that was climbed up the tree? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus, uh, you know, climbed up the tree and, and Jesus said, Zacchaeus, uh, I'd like to dine with you at your house tonight, but uh, you got to get your stuff in order first, or I I can't come over and oh yeah and eat there. Didn't he say that? Yeah, that's I think that's what he said. <laughs> no, you know I mean you can look at countless examples. I mean I think like the call of Matthew. You know, um, right. there's no indication in the Gospels that Matthew had repented of his of his very you know yeah very sinful. The woman at the well. Like, 
I can't. The, the I woman can't talk to you. I mean, yeah, I Jesus goes to out of the way to meet her in her shame and in her isolation, and he encounters her. But here's the thing that I think is really important for all of us to get, is that, is that it is precisely the expression, the encounter, the initiative that God shows with his love and his mercy. That That's what causes the possibility of repentance in mm. the human heart. It does not work the other way around. Like, in other words, it's not... You know, it's not that we bring ourselves to a repentant place and then God responds with his love and his mercy. And that is the way I think a lot of times, you know, not just Catholics, but any Christian people can be tempted to think about grace, that there's a primacy to my initiative over God's. And therefore, what what ends up happening, the way that plays out in a lot of people's lives, including my own, you know, at times, is I want God to be merciful towards me, but I want justice for everybody else. And so mm. when I see someone who's living objectively and publicly in sin, you know, the temptation is like, yeah, I mean, you know, come on, you need to acknowledge your sin and you need to repent, and, and then, you know, then we can associate. But the reality is, is God didn't do it that way. Christ did not do it that way. He he showed the initiative. So even in my own life, when I look at my own conversion experiences, one of the things that I, in, you know, in all humility, have to remember again and again and again is that God was blessing me. God was pouring his grace upon me. People were praying for me. People were blessing me before my heart awakened or my mind awakened to the need for repentance. Yeah. So grace always goes before us, Augustine says. It always goes with us, and it always follows after us. And I think that what I think, what I love about this document is that he, not only for clergy, but also us. Like when we take the initiative to bless people who are not worthy, mm. we're imitating God in His initiative, and we do that with the hope that that gesture is going to somehow awaken something. It's going to soften something inside that person, help yeah. them come to the realization. Instead of saying, you need to repent, you know, Jesus made a general comment, yeah. repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Right. But where in the Gospels does he ever look at someone, and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, you got to repent of your sins. Maybe the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but, yeah, yeah. but not I, anyone else. So I could go on and on, but well, I, I, just I just think, think it's think an that, important... Yeah, I think that um, there's, a, there's a mindset that is, if you... You know, let's say, for instance, um, you know, you there's a single mom in your community, and she, uh, you know, you you invite her over for dinner. Somehow, that automatically means that you are supporting or condoning or affirming this. Uh, you know, like everything that led up or the circumstances that surround her being a single mom, you know, like whether it's uh, having sex out of marriage, whether it's, uh, you know, being divorced, whether it's, and, you know, like, I don't, it, it just seems like we have this weird obsession with if, if you're kind, if you're kind to somebody or if you show somebody, yeah, if you bless somebody somehow, you're condoning or supporting all the things that go with them. Not necessarily their identity, their, you know, their deepest identity, but all those things that go with them. If you have somebody over at your house who, you know, is, uh, yeah, is gay, somehow you're supporting, you know, the gay, the gay lifestyle or the, the, uh, you're giving, uh, legitimacy to, to that kind of a thing. And, I, that's a hard thing for me to understand. I've experienced that in my own life, like, like showing kindness to uh, to to people in these extraordinary or irregular circumstances or situations, and and getting the kind of like, well, you do know like what's going on. And I'm like, I I'm not I'm not like having them over to to like have a celebration of that like just showing love to those people and trying to like, yeah, yeah. Trying to show them the love of God so that, 
so that maybe their hearts could be uh, softened or changed or whatever. It's, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there because it's, I, I feel like a lot of the negative pushback or the, a lot of the fear in this resides around this hypothetical situation that if you show kindness or if you, if you, if a, you know, if you offer a blessing to somebody, you're, you're blessing everything about them. And, um, it's just weird to me. Well, I think we've been forced into that situation by a, and we've talked about this before, but this kind of false dichotomy. And, uh, and that, and that's, that I have to decide between either embracing sin and and accommodating it to such a degree that, you know, I just expect the church to change her teaching and we should just be okay with all this stuff. Or on the other hand, we, we have to uh, so disassociate with people and we just have to stand in this kind of apologetically condemning stance against and always defining and always, you know, always uh, making sure everybody knows what the church teaches about these things. But the psychology of that situation, of that kind of a false dichotomy, uh, it just doesn't, it can't be reconciled, and it doesn't square with Jesus. because It he, doesn't. He doesn't yeah. do either one of those things. But, but I think very, very uh, central to the example that he sets for us is that it's through the expression, through the initiative that he shows in the expression of the Father's love and mercy upon the sinner that's what opens up the possibility of repentance and conversion. And, and I can't say that enough times. Like, I know that from my own life. I know that from the life of countless people I've known who have gone through major conversion experiences. Nobody gets their act together if they feel isolated, marginalized, and ashamed sure. by right. the people around them. When, when they feel loved and embraced and then free, to, in a sense, be themselves and all their brokenness and all their dysfunction and all their sin, that gives people the opportunity and the, and the space to be able to give a deeper consideration of their life. And it's at that point that you can say, you, you can ask a question like, so how is that working for you? Like, have you ever thought that maybe the reason why you're so miserable and unhappy is because you're living in a way that's contrary to God's desire for your life? So... I would be the first to say, you can't side skirt and avoid the proclamation of salvation in Christ. You can't sidestep the problem of sin. Mm. But you can't make the fact that a person is sinful a criteria for whether or not you're going to engage and be in relationship with that person, unless that person would be a source of temptation for you then you would disassociate sure. because you don't want to, you know, keep company with people that are going to cause you to sin. Sure. But, you know, mature Christian people, you know, uh, should be able to reach out and show the love and mercy and to bless people. I, you know, as I was, you know, pondering all of this this week, I, I was brought back to um, an example that you were there for. You know, we would meet at this cafe uh, every week. We haven't done it in a while. But, but you know, uh, baristas... <laughs> Uh, are very colorful people, generally, and um, I, I'm pretty sure there's uh, gay, trans, and who knows what else, um, baristas at the place that we would frequent. And uh, um, there's one particular uh, person there that was working that day and very colorful individual, and, you know, who knows? I mean, like, I, I'm pretty sure that none of those people are living in any way that even remotely represents the way God would want them to live their life. But I remember when I was walking out, I said, I said, God bless you. And, you know, and that's a blessing. I mean, I'm a lay person, so mm-hmm. kind of shoot blanks. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I offered a blessing to this person, and she stopped, and she said, what did you say? Did you say God bless you? And I said, yeah. And she goes, wow, thank you. Mm. And... You know, her that there was a change that came over her, and I was reflecting back on that because it, I think it it's a good example of the kind of thing that's like, yeah, well, as a Christian person, like because I know that God has shown initiative in my life, like His grace has gone before me. It's like it's it. My responsibility is to pass that that sure. initiative, that grace, on to other people. Yeah, in the hopes that 
they will be touched by that experience. And I think she was. Um, you know, I don't know if that, you know, was a game changer for her, but it something happened in that moment. Um, she hopefully encountered the love of God in some small way, in a way that made her day, you know? Mm, and right. and I think that, that as Christian people, like, I mean, at the end of the day, we have countless moments like that. And whether a priest does it in his official capacity as a, as a priest, or we do it as, you know, in our, in our role as lay people, I, I think what Pope Francis is trying to say is that, you know, um, there are formal and ritual and liturgical ways in which we do things, and, and that's for the initiated. Those yeah. are for the people right. that fully embrace and fully seek to live out the Christian life. And there are things that can be done in a less formal, more spontaneous way, yeah. whereby we're just being generous with the mercy and the yeah. love of God and people, it, 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 for people who it, it might not even occur to them that they need to change their life. Yes, and I like what you said earlier. It just come it for me. It it just comes back to especially if somebody is seeking a blessing, the discernment of it. Like what you know, yeah, asking yourself, okay, what are they, what are they seeking a blessing for, you know? And if it's just uh, it, for a greater increase or an openness to God's grace for. You know, uh, some struggle they're having with their life. You know that they can can be more in conformity with God's will. You know, yeah, awesome. You know, regardless of where they are or who they are or what the what situation they're in, um, it, why wouldn't you? You know, like it, it just because of the sort of circumstantial situations that they find themselves in or whatever that. That somehow you would withhold that, um, and and you have to be discerning. Obviously, if they're asking for a blessing of something that is not holy or not within God's realm of of uh, you know what He wants for people, then you of course you wouldn't. I, it just seems so elementary to me, like so basic. Yeah. And, well, I do think that. Let's face it. I mean, there have been people in, you know, clergy and. And others in the church who have, who have tried to sort of embrace the sin, not mm. not just the sinner, and and try to you know sort of in the name of tolerance and inclusivity try to embrace all of that and make it okay. Yeah. And that's just a that's just a that's just a false um, form of mercy. But I think you know back to the document. I, I think that a lot of people are anticipating that that's the move that Francis is going to make, but he decisively does not do that decidedly doesn't do that. I don't know which word I should mm. use there. But, you know, it, it, he just doesn't. He comes down very clearly on, you know, we bless people, we can't bless the sin of their right. lives. Right. And uh, so even, again, it's confusing. You say, well, what if a gay couple comes up to you? It's like, well, if they're asking you to bless their their relationship, their, their sexual relationship, no, you can't give a blessing sure. for that. Right. You know, but... But if if they're just seeking God in some imperfect and in per, you know partial way, then yeah, grant it. Mm. Now there's a couple of things I want to throw out there in terms of like some of the objections that have been raised. Because on the one hand, you say, well, where's the message of repentance? You know, uh, in all of that, shouldn't you call people to repent if they're if you're gonna do that? And and you know, what are your thoughts about that? Um, I feel like the uh the best case scenarios for me have been, I'll start with that, the best case scenarios, have been whenever I've had the time to build a relationship with somebody to, um, to where I could um, ease into an area, you know, maybe that I felt like uh, would, would be beneficial for them to have some freedom from um, and, it, and so because of the relationship that was established, me questioning or me digging into that was received much better. I've also been on the opposite side of that. And these are the worst case scenarios where I would just th throw that out there. Like, um, 
we had a friend that that you know was in the process of getting divorced and you know i went into full-fledged like defensive marriage mode and um you know the, the kind of like the call to repentance for for that kind of a thing and and it just it was hurtful like for for them so it is a very it's a an extremely delicate thing but i feel like it's best received uh most effectively received in the context of like a yeah like a loving relationship a trusting relationship um i most definitely uh you know and i, I think it's dangerous to to know that somebody needs um to be corrected or to need to be sort of like pushed into that especially if they're not necessarily aware of it but you are to to engage them in that but it has to be done in a uh, in a way where it's yeah, it's just like they know that you love them regardless of what you're saying and um anyway yeah i feel like the the whole like the whole rigid like rigid law like right wrong i'm going to tell you blah 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 i've i'm just not sure i've ever seen that work yeah well and it doesn't it really doesn't that's not that's just not what jesus modeled for us at all <laughs> well, i mean right. you know and that, okay. yeah yeah i Good. mean i i think that uh it isn't that he ever side-skirted sin but the way in which he addressed sin was always in and through his presence, uh, his encounter with the sinner. I mean, he, he shows up in the middle of people's messes. I mean, think of the woman caught in adultery, for heaven's sake. Yeah. And he does address her sin. But, but he defends, he actually defends her right to live in the face of the law. Hmm. Um, even though the, you know, the people that wanted to stone her were technically correct. But he did something different there. And um, because he cared and loved her and wanted to save her. And I think sometimes, you know, I think sometimes we think, you know, and we do this when we make the law the center of things and not Jesus, the person of Jesus, the center. We make the law the center. Then we, we, we get into the business of officiating and adjudicating as though, as though we're being helpful. Hmm. But the reality is, is that, you know, oftentimes what we're doing is we're shutting people down. We're hardened, We're helping to harden our hearts. Sure. Um, you know, so again, fraternal correction, which is the technical term there, you know, or the, or the basic proclamation of the gospel, you know, the, the sort of the kerygma, it has to, you have to be discerning about, yeah. um, you know, the openness of the person. And so again, coming back to the document in a, in a, in a spontaneous type of informal setting like this, uh, that might not be the time or place to you know get into it, but but even but even if it were like go back to the woman uh, at the well, you know she didn't she didn't repent. I mean Jesus blessed her simply by showing mm. up, right. not accidentally. Like he went there on purpose to meet her when she was alone, isolated in the middle of the day. He, it wasn't like he just happened to cross the well and oh there's this woman and oh I happen to know all these things about her, like. He, you know, he showed up on purpose, and she didn't repent. She didn't acknowledge her sin until he asked her this question, which wasn't even, it's very indirect, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then he, he, he's able to disclose the full reality of her life to her, but clearly he did it in such a tender way that she ran into the village and wanted to tell everybody how she had met somebody that knew everything she had ever done. Well, that's odd. I mean, like, what kind of experience would that have had to have been to want to do that? Mm. Because everybody in the town already knew what she right. had done, right, yeah. but they didn't make her feel the way Jesus made her feel. Yeah, Jesus made her feel loved mm, that's an and awesome free, and, uh, and, and she bounded like, you know, like a gazelle, you know, into town. So, you know, that's what, I think, blessing other people, that's what reflecting God's initiative in showing love and grace and mercy to other people, that's the potential it has. If it's, if it's done with a generous heart and a generous spirit, is it can melt the hardness of a heart. It can sure. open people up to the possibility of transformation. And again, yeah. you can't, 
you can't ultimately we're not talking about a kind of accommodationism here where where it's like you know oh we just need to liberalize the church's teaching because the teach church is behind the times and mm. we gotta we gotta embrace this kind of woke woke culture you know that i mean pope francis doesn't say anything remotely like that and um i mean there are some in the church who do I mean, I'm not going to deny that, but right. I mean, you know, I don't think the Holy Spirit, I don't think Jesus is going to let the church kind of go off that cliff. I just don't believe that. Uh-oh. Sounds like you <laughs> ate too here. many cookies oh, today. Gosh. You have to reset your oh, your insulin monitor. That is hilarious. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, my God. In you case know, anybody... Here, let me, let in, me fix it. Let me do it. Let yeah, me set, yeah. Let no, me, no, let don't touch that. Buttons. Don't touch that. In case anybody doesn't know, I'm type 1. And so my Omnipod was just uh, beeping in the middle yeah, of this. Cracks me up. But, um, <laughs> but you know, the other thing I want to say, and sorry if I'm going on, but it, it, I think the other objection that I hear a lot is, it, it's not put this way, but I think this is what people are driving at. It's like, isn't it scandalous? You know, and you've kind of hinted at it when it's like, well, if it looks like you're sort of endorsing or you're validating sure. this sin, you know, that creates scandal and, like, we shouldn't do that. And, um, you know, so what? it's about the optics. Like, like, should we be concerned about the optics of a situation? And I, I've spent a lot of this week actually kind of praying mm. through that and thinking about that. And again, just going back to the example of Jesus, I, I'm like, okay— did Jesus care about how things looked? Hmm. And, and and the reality is I think sometimes we easily forget that it isn't just that Jesus claimed to be God that became the occasion of, you know, him being tried, executed, you know, etc. It it's that nothing so much of what he did and said did not look right to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He seemed to be in open contempt of the of often the ceremonial precepts, but not only the ceremonial precepts, but like after the call of Matthew, for example, he clearly goes over and has dinner with a whole bunch of publicans and sinners. And it doesn't tell us that they were all, they had all repented. Hmm. Uh, presumably, we hope they, they did, but it, it, it that doesn't, it, it's never presented as a precondition of Jesus hanging out with these right. people. So the answer I came to was, Jesus, when it came to, to doing the Father's will and, and bringing the love and mercy of his Father to people, he did not care about the optics. And it did create scandal in the minds and hearts of some people because it didn't look like he was doing the right thing and hmm. that he was an imposter. And I think sometimes when we're listening to Pope Francis, it's easy to think that he's kind of like, like, it's like, you know, he's creating scandal, he's, 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 he's encouraging us to do these mm -hmm. things. And it's like, but that's what Jesus did. Like, yeah. that's the example he set. And maybe what we have to learn from Pope Francis in our times is that the church has to learn to emulate Jesus' way of engaging the sinner mm. way better than we are right now. That might have something to do with why People are walking away from religion. Not everything to do with it, but something to do yeah. with it. Like maybe people, our, our church is shrinking because it's not a place where the sinner feels comfortable being able to work out their woundedness and their sinfulness in a, in a community that actually is walking with them and helping them and encouraging them. But rather, we're a community that always feels like we're holding up the ruler to everybody and mm. making judgments you know, or or we're the community that just glosses over the sin and says, "Hey, man, it's cool. You can do whatever you want." You know, yeah. Like, like, or even the third option. I, sometimes I feel like the community is just overly concerned with the community itself. Like it's a very sort of um, g exclusive kind of club of people. And all the hurting people, whether whether they're not there because they they don't feel worthy, you know, and they've tried and and we're just too judgy, or they're they're very convinced that, um, you know, their do it themselves kind of you know thing has helped them to be successful. And why do they need it? Why do they need it? But the the but you know like that third option is that we're we're so sometimes so uh 
concerned in it in with building this exclusive club that we don't even know how to reach out to people in meaningful ways anymore. Like we don't even our neighbor who hasn't been to church maybe in years, you know, we we don't even talk to that person or not not because we don't want to. We, it's just not even on our radar because we're so we're so tunnel vision. Like we just have such tunnel vision and and uh yeah, I mean the beautiful thing I think Jesus would do is yeah, have that person over for dinner, you know, and maybe the I it's or go over to their house for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he did most of the time. Right, yeah, he didn't true. have a house. That's true. But I mean, he did. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, no, you're, he, right. He, you're right. He went over to Zacchaeus's house. And right. He, it's hard uh, to, to imagine my neighbor climbing a tree and inviting me to dinner over at their house. But you know, and and with Zacchaeus, I mean, Zacchaeus did repent. But again, it was after Jesus right. invited him to dinner, and, and and was was Zacchaeus curious? Of course, he was. Right. So I mean, again, if, if how is that not similar to a person who would run up to a priest and ask for a blessing? Yeah, like yeah. That, there, there's something. Op- there's a certain level of openness in a person who would do that. You know, uh, most people who don't have any openness to God are not going to go run over to a priest. If anything, they're probably going to say something scornful. Or, you know, I've I've known priests that have, have been spit on, like mm. you know, like they people who hold religion in contempt. Um. So I, I, you know, I think that uh, a person who would, who would open themselves up to, even in a small, imperfect way, to mm. to a blessing, is a person that the Holy Father is saying we we need to affirm them in that. All right, so cool. I felt like that was a really good breaking open of that. Any last words? Well, my last word is is for those. For those of us who do have sort of teenage and young adult children who are seeing all this, I think it's really important to, first of all, you know, educate ourselves and then sit down and talk it through with them. Because that's part of, that's part of everybody's formation, learning how to explain difficult things to people Yeah. with uh, sufficient nuance. But I do, um, as hard as, as it is, I, I think the thing we want to avoid is we don't want to undermine the the authority of the magisterium of the hmm. church and the Holy Father by casting that into um, a shadow of doubt. That That is not a good thing to do. I think what we have to do is to seek to understand and, and, um, and to make proper distinctions and do the best we can. You know, trust the Holy Spirit to be able to uh, put on our hearts what we need to say to our kids. And mm-hmm. but if if you don't go to the source and you don't try to understand it right <laughs> with a with a positive and and sort of you know generous spirit you're not going to be able to do that. You know? Yeah. And it's not easy. I mean, it's it's not easy to sit down especially with the young because they don't have as much life experience, but we we have to try to do the best we can and and I realize I'm a I'm a the- theologian, so it's it's easier, you know, on in some respects for me, but it's also it's also difficult too because sometimes I overcomplicate things for my kids because because of how much I do know, and and that's not always helpful either. I mean, I think sometimes um, we just need to keep it simple, yeah, and help our kids understand. Like in this case, what what would I say? I'd say, you know, the simple takeaway is is everybody deserves to be blessed by God. The church is always going to bless people. Because, because the church wants people's hearts and lives to be aligned with God's. Mm-hmm. But the church is never going to bless them. Yeah, yeah. And but that's all the Pope is saying. That's all he's saying, to sum it up in, in one sentence. He could have done that. He could have just wrote that in his first line. Well, then been yeah, but like, that... thank you, and then dropped the mic. Yes, but there was a need for a catechesis for our clergy about the nature of blessings. Yeah. And, and, and and again, going back and, and maybe ending right where you started is like, you know, what is the who and the how and the when, you know, and the et cetera of, of, of blessings? Mm-hmm. You know, what's, what's yeah. acceptable, what's unacceptable? Maybe it's a time in the church when we need a clarification on that so that we can properly carry out the mission of Christ, mm. especially to the people that, as Pope Francis would say, are at the margins. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. Well, listen, 
It's December 21st, so an early, again, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to you. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, and uh, we have our Christmas party tonight, so that should be fun. We do. Let's, yeah. So we'll just jump off right now. Okay. Okay, man. Yep. Goodbye. See ya. The Wise Guys Podcast is a production of Preambule Group, a Catholic ministry dedicated to helping you thrive in the heart of Jesus. Visit us on the web at preambula.org and follow us on social media.